when I was 14, 15, I turned my garage into like a kennel and bred cats. By the time I graduated high school, I had like a hundred grand. It was the first time I realized it was beneficial to be the dumbest guy in a room. Absolutely. And then when I found myself being the biggest fish in the room, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, not the right room. I need to go somewhere else. Step up again. Yeah. I didn't have to start over because of the 2008 crisis, but I had to start over because I had almost my entire life savings stolen from me. At the time, we were kind of all in with the first Massage Envy. Because it was new to me, I wanted to perfect it. I was there like all day long, every day. 12, 15 hours a day just learning it. I didn't get paid for eight months. Right. People turned off their insurance. Wow. I followed with it. I took my entire HELOC and bought stocks when the market crashed. The only thing that kept me up. Well, everyone, welcome to the Risky Assets Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. This is my good friend, Joey Ball. Joe, thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. Glad to be here. So, little background for everyone. We have been working together. I've been your insurance agent for a lot of your massage envy locations for like five or six years now and um, been doing some of your personal stuff. Um, The creepy thing is you keep following me around, you know, as a neighbor. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So Joe and I lived in La Crescenta here in Southern California. And I was like, hey, I'm moving. You know, I'm going to Newhall. And this guy was buying a house two blocks away from me. And so we just keep following each other. Like right know, around the good same neighbors. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But um, also wanted to just, you know, give some background on you. Obviously you have five massage envy locations, yeah. one European wax center. That's right. And you've got a bunch of other things you got your hands into. Yeah. I know you're doing flips and you have some holds and all that good stuff. Give me the background on your entrepreneurial story. Like where did it start? Cause I know you've had a bunch of businesses. Geez, started a long time ago. Um, Construction or was it something different? No, so like you like way back. Is that yeah, what you're talking about? Like, where did the, where did the entrepreneurial spirit start? Where did you want to go on your own? So I knew I knew way early on, like way way early okay. on, like in you know junior high school. Really? That you know I understood supply and demand really early, and okay. I thought it was just how do people not get this? That if there's a demand for something, like mm-hmm. go for it, mm-hmm. right? So I I mean. I, I did, I dabbled in things when I was, you know, 14, 15. I mean, I, I like, uh, bred cats. I, I'm, a, I'm allergic to cats, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my mom got a cat and I'm like, okay. And, and I, and she's like, this cat was like $500. I'm like $500 Dang. for a cat. Yeah. Why don't you just have it, have cats and sell them? <laughs> right. Yeah. So long story short, um, I did that. I, I turned my, my garage into like. Just this, like a little kennel? Yeah, like a kennel. Yeah. And by the time I graduated high school, I had like a hundred grand. No way. And I was like, my friends were like, where are you getting all this money? And I'm like, selling cats, man. That just so, sounds like such a cop out for some other, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, was flipping bur- I was flipping burgers too. I was flipping burgers too. <laughs> well, were your parents entrepreneurs like that? Or is it just something that kind of clicked with you? Uh, yeah, my dad. Well, yeah, my dad started off uh, in in Snap-on Tools. Okay, uh, you know he worked for them for like thirty five years, and um, he had a Snap-on franchise. And I, you know, from a young age, you know, six seven years old, I would sit there and watch him, you know, put yeah, his, put his tools away in yeah. his truck, and he would talk to me about everything. I think that's really where I got it from. Sure. Um, and he would talk to me about how things work. You know, hey, I sold all these today. We need to put more up for sale. You know, and so, so I. Cool. From an early age, Huge I understood. Blessing, you know, my parents weren't entrepreneurs. They were pensioners, right? They were like, hey, you go get a government job. You go to school. Yeah. Just do your thing. So entrepreneurship didn't come for me till 26, 28 years yeah. old, roughly in between there. So that's really cool. So from that point, high school, what happened after high school when you were selling cats? So that kind of, that did its thing because sure. I moved out and I uh, kind of stopped doing that. Um, I ended up uh, getting a job at Bank of America. They call it a vault teller. So where all the business owners would come in. Mm-hmm. And um, I was I was kind of young for that job, but I told them that's the only position I wanted. So I ended up uh, in Montrose becoming the a, a vault teller. And so I would deal with all the business owners. Sure. And as they came in, I would just like talk to them and talk to them and talk to them. And I'm like, this guy is like jeans and a t-shirt with a bag full of cash. I'm like, I kind of like this. He's just <laughs> in and out with his cup of coffee all day yeah. long, you know, and all these guys. And I just thought, I think this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I want to own a business. Mm -hmm. And then from there you got that experience. Did you actually then go and start a business? I did. I did. I, um, so I applied for a loan. There was a special loan program at the time. Uh, and I had tanning was big, you know, uh, indoor tanning was big at the time. It was like 1995. And I remember that when you would call, 
to make an appointment. This place had like 15 rooms. It was in La Cunada. And you would call to make an appointment. They would be like, yeah, next week we can get you in. And I'm like, wait a second. You have 15 rooms and you can't get me in until next right. week. Hmm. It's a lot of people tanning or yeah. you're being lazy. Huh? Yeah, there's something. <laughs> something's up here. Yeah. And so um, I I actually applied for a loan. There was a loan program called called uh, NoDoc Loan. It was for young entrepreneurs. Okay. And they approved me. And I started my first one in La Crescenta. Mm-hmm. And it it did well. I, I was lucky enough. I was blessed enough that, to be successful at it. And then I did another one in Sunland and then another one in Montrose and then another one in Burbank. And it just kept going more and more. So what's funny is I have friends work for you unknowingly back in high school. Yeah. I saw Paradise Tan, all the girls that were working there. I was like, oh, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. So you employed a lot of my friends, which was hilarious. But uh, and you still have those or did you start selling those out so i sold quite a few of them mm-hmm. and i kept the ones where i owned the properties because I, ultimately i tried to buy the properties where a lot of the, the what are the good ones right were. and we helped um, with some of those yeah, yeah you so helped I saw some that. of that yeah um and i uh sold you know chunks of them like the santa clarita ones i sold to a guy out in santa clarita mm-hmm. and then the like calabasas and those ones i sold to guys out in like simi valley sure um and then my very last one it was emotional my very last one was uh about three or four months ago, it mm-hmm. was in June, I sold Montrose. I sold the building mm-hmm. and the business. Um, and that was my last one, Set out of 17 of them. I mean, that was what we wow. boiled it down. Was it just that you were wanting to transition into something else or was there a strategic plan to, to start moving on those? So a weird thing happened in about, we were, it was crazy, 2004, five, six, seven. It was just, you couldn't, I mean, it was, you couldn't open them fast. That enough. was like the spring break era it where everything was. just went out. Yeah, it was. And it was crazy. <laughs> and then there was uh, a big campaign about how it wasn't good for you anymore. And sure. um, at that same time, my wife and I were, so she, so she said, she had come to me and she said, you know, um, people were coming to us saying, can you give a donate to our school for like the silent auctions? You know, those sure. things, yeah, of course. you know, and, um, and so people would always come to us saying, can you donate to our school? And then all of a sudden people stopped asking and I'm like, what's going on? And my wife's like, they don't want tanning. It's like being a cig, like a tobacco like, company, like a cigarette. Yeah. And, and I was like, that's not good. She goes, and I don't like it. It feels gross. And I'm like, sure. okay, so what can we do? And so we started thinking, we, as we were selling the stores, and we never closed any, but we, we sold off every, mm-hmm. most of them. Um, I was at my cousin's wedding in Breckenridge, Colorado, and um, his stepdad was, um, my uncle John was a CPA, was a CPA sure. at the time, and he was, uh, he was doing the books for quite a few massage envies in the like Portland, Seattle area. And he goes, and I was telling him, I'm looking for the sure. next thing to do. And it was like a membership-based sort of uh, service. Right. You know, it's kind of like a, it, and and so that was the same thing as the tanning. We were like a membership-based service. Um, massage Envy has a, t- a lot more employees than, than tanning salons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which yeah, which I'll get to because <laughs> that's the deal. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, you know, that's cool. Massage is, you know, good for you. Makes you feel good. People like it. And, uh, and so... I talked to my wife about it. And I'm, let's let's look into this. And so that was like in 2010 ish. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you weathered the storm in 07, 08. All that was. I mean, I'm sure it was down a little bit, but you weathered it, and you still had enough capital to go out and purchase a franchise with Massage Envy. I did. I was low at the time. I mean, I had done well with the tanning salons. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'd hit my goals. Like by the time I was, you know, my 35, I had hit my goal where I wanted to be and. And everything seemed to be going great. And then, I don't know if you want to get into this, but I got into a, uh, a guy had like swindled me out of some money uh, and quite a bit, like almost my entire life savings. Wow. So I kind of, ha- I didn't have to start over because of the 2008 crisis, but I had to start over because I had almost my entire life savings sure, stolen man. from me. Yeah. So I it had was, no idea. Was yeah. it a white collar investment type? Deal? It was. Yeah. It was, but it was complete fraud. It was all a fake. It was a guy that had come to me that I had gone to school with. And he said, I want to um, start buying these houses that have you know, that have oh, gone okay. into foreclosure. And so he was giving me like these fake, fake deeds mm-hmm. and they weren't and it wasn't real. So every time I would give him my money, he was like, 
pocketing it, yeah, spending it, and, yeah. and it just got ugly. And he ended up getting convicted, federal court. Of course, yeah, that stuff know. all runs out. It's just who who's affected in the meantime, you know. He didn't expect me to go after him and to like pursue it, and and it was hard because it was a long process. It, it took a toll on. on it's emotional, one hundred percent. Yeah, of course. L- losing the money wasn't nearly as bad as um, the amount of time it took away from me with my kids and my wife. That looking back on it, sure. Um, yeah, the money was like horrible at the time, devastating, but it wasn't when I look back and I say all those nights, those sleepless nights, I could have been snuggled with my kids in bed that I was actually sitting at my desk trying to figure out how to survive. Man, it makes it, it does put perspective into your life. Right. And then I've gone, I've done some dumb things just being young with money. And I was like, it was a huge distraction from my main goals. The money is not supposed to be what drives you. It's supposed to be what provides all the stuff that drives you. That's right. So I, I totally understand that. Um, but man, it's a tough deal. So from there, you, st- you decided, all right, we're going to do this Massage Envy thing. Yeah. Was that La Cunata location the first one you started? It was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how long did you have that as your sole location? Oh, boy. I think I had that from 2012-ish by the time we had built. Wow. Uh to probably 2015 for about three years. Mm-hmm. And because it was new to me, I wanted to perfect it. So I ba- I was there like all day long, every day just like 12, 15 hours a day, just learning it. And I've noticed when I visited your shop, you're super hands-on. Like you're in server rooms messing around with stuff. And I'm like, how how was the entrepreneur who started this in the server room troubleshooting all this stuff? But you basically said you built it then from the ground up. You did all that stuff. I did. That's impressive. And and you know, people ask me like, what are you doing? Why? Like yesterday I replaced the toilet at La Cunata. (laughs) Like people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I do it number one, because I enjoy being part of the machine. You know, I don't want to like like build this machine and then walk away. Sure, from it. I hear that. Um, but I also have this strange. I get this strange sort of respect from my staff when they see you like laying on the floor in the bathroom, sw- switching out of the toilet, and, the, and you hear them whispering and talking and like, what is he? And they go, "You're in the trenches with him." Yeah, if if he's willing to do that, then. What are we complaining about? So I noticed that on one of the workers' comp visits when I, you were working on stuff, and then people were like, no, he does everything here. They, you could definitely feel in their their voice and their tone that they respected you for, for being there as much as you are, yeah. which I think is a really huge benefit to a lot of other parts of your business. And you know the psychology of like camaraderie, right, teamwork. That, that's all a huge part of yeah. a business. Humans are complicated. So if you can try and get them as much as you can on the same page, huge value. Yeah. So I remember the call when you were starting to buy or you're in the process to buy a couple more locations. Did I think you, I called you first. You, I think you may have. And yeah. I was, uh, I think I was in the hospital with my twins or something <laughs> like that. But uh, you bought three or four more locations at that point. At that point, I bought thir- two, two actually, okay. right? Because the third one was in having some issues. There was actually four that, w- that I wanted to buy, but um, there were some complications with the corporate headquarters and like that, they yeah. were allowing me to take two of them. Okay. Yeah. And, and that was, um, that was a distressed business too, right? They were hurting a little bit. Yeah. Yes. And no. So the only reason why they, they were distressed was because their workers comp uh, was human capital heavy for for massage envy. Ridiculous. Like, I'm not joking when I tell you they were paying like $400,000 a year and work for two stores. I know. Yeah. I remember you, you showed me the paperwork and I was like, that is staggering, staggering, almost impressive to get to that big of a number. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, ridiculous and impressive all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think I, I called you and I was I wanted to find out if if we were to figure out a way to get rid of that mm-hmm. that issue with workers comp, and I think we figured out a way to do it. It is a complicated, not ideal situation, but once you lay off more than fifty percent of your employees, it's no longer the same business. So you went through the process, and I think you we f- did. You let go most of them, which was. I know the game, so I know what you did. Yeah, I'm not, so I'm not, yeah, right. So I'm not a big fan of laying off people. Of course. But um, I had no choice in that scenario. Um, so, yeah. And uh, it was it a was, new business. You kind of had It was better sense. than everybody being gone. Correct. And you had put it, it's like, this is a new business. I'm starting fresh. If they're available, I'll hire them back, which I think you ended up getting a pretty good capture, recapture rate. Ultimately, I did. Ultimately, yeah. about 85%. Fantastic. Yeah. And then you have more locations. So you bought another couple after yeah. that, and you brought it into the portfolio. Yeah, I did. So I did. So um, I ended up getting another location after that, which I acquired with some sort of creative financing, um, which at first I wasn't real sure was going to work and ended up working out (laughs) great. Um, Seller financed or did you have outside uh, financing? Seller financed. Very cool. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And this odd thing happens if you can find owners 
that are sort of ready to retire. And instead of coming up with any money up front, you could kind of figure out a way to give them like a retirement income. Of course. You know, going forward. Yeah. And if they move to another state, they can go find a zero income state. Yeah. yeah all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. We've seen all the time in the insurance game too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of a cool thing. It is very cool it's thing. it's great for everybody, actually. It's a win win for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And we kind of also share the love for the distaste in government. And so, you know, if you can try and keep more of your own money, and for your family, for your charities, it's a good thing. That's so right. that allows you to do a lot of that stuff. So another thing that I think is really fascinating, not only are you running these five stores, you started another, I would call like a, I don't want to say a spinoff, but it's definitely a different business. You started the European Wax Center. We did. And those are right next door, your La Cunata Massage Envy and your La Cunata European Wax Center. That's right. Which is fascinating because you basically get different people at different times doing yeah. some form of self-care, which I thought was brilliant. Um, and being right next to each other was right next cool. It's easy. Yeah. And you could, are, do people have both memberships? Oh, There's yeah. a lot of crossover. I Tons. figured there would be. Well, yeah. We cross market too. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's really smart. Efficiency then is great. You are on the board of the massage NV. I would say like a council yeah. uh, board. What does that look like? And how did you, I guess, get that seat? So I was asked to participate, uh, two or three years ago. Okay. Um, we had gone through, um, a price increase at the brand where people were um, sort of not liking that at the time. Sure. Like right now with inflation, price increases no one's batting right under the radar. Yeah. Nobody cares. But then in 2016, 2017, um, it was kind of a big deal. And they had sent out surveys to all the franchisees mm -hmm. and I was pretty, uh, pretty in depth with my response and I wasn't super kind about it. <laughs> and I, I think they just liked the honesty sure. and they just, they approached me and they said, can you fly out to Scottsdale and, um, and have a meeting with us? And I said, yeah. And so I, I did and, um, was asked to be, to sit on the board and, um, it's kind of like an advisory board sort sure. of. Um, and just a bunch of smart people. I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying that the people that smart enough, right? So that's always been a, that's always been a, one of my that's always been one of my tricks. Is I try to surround myself with smarter people. And and this was one of those instances I where I was sitting in a room going, "Wow!" I remember being somewhere and I told someone it was the first time I realized it was beneficial to me, for me to be the dumbest guy in a room. Absolutely, it's my my small fish being around big fish, I ate it up fast. Yep. And then when I found myself being the biggest fish in the room, I was like, uh-oh, not the right, not the right room. I need to go somewhere Step up else. Again. Yeah. So it's I like, think that's a, it's a fascinating way to grow. It's it a is. fascinating way it's to grow. A, it's, it's good advice that I give my kids now, like about who they hang around with. When I talk to them about real estate, I'm like, you know, you never, you want to buy the worst house on the street because there's so much upside. Like you want to be surrounded by the best. Like, of course. So that you will eventually... You know, uh, you know, when they say you hang around your dog long enough, you start looking like your dog. Yeah. It's like the same thing. <laughs> it's the, show me your friends. Show me your future. It's the exactly. same thing in business. Yeah. Uh, the other one, right? If you're in a room full of five millionaires, you'll be the sixth. Absolutely. Right? It's just you need to be around it to see it. A lot of it for me, too. I have a lot of uh, gun shyness, so to speak. I have all these ideas and I'm not like a purebred entrepreneur. So sometimes getting some validation for me is really helpful. So when I run it by someone who's like, yeah, dude, that's how we did it. Go. It's a good idea great. And then I go. Yeah. Right. So that's really important for me to be in a room like that where there's people who've done it. I don't have to spend money on mistakes. Totally. Right. So love that Learn from their mistakes. Love that. So we're called the risky assets podcast, right? What yeah. is the biggest risk you took on that massage envy? Where did you see is like, this could hurt me. How did you hedge against all of those risks and what made you successful then in the brand? Oh boy. Um, I think probably the riskiest part was at, at the time we, we weren't, so we had done well financially. Sure. And then I was telling, telling you that we had sort of had that, that hiccup. Mm -hmm. um, so at the time we were kind of all in with the first massage envy, believe sure. it or not. Yeah. Nobody, people don't know that. I was all in on Greyhawk. Were I you put really? it all in, you know, it was, it was important. And I was like, one, I believed in myself. I was going to make it yeah. work, but I'm assuming you were in the same position. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's humbling. I think because of the survival of knowing, you know, especially when you have kids, right. You have to survive thing, yeah, of course. that it, it makes you makes you do things that aren't like super risky, but you're very calculated. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just some things happened, you know, like, uh, like with the, with locking on massage, I mean, craziest thing ever. Um, they wanted me to, they kept pushing me to sign the lease. Right. Okay. I'm like, yeah, why sure. are they pushing me so hard? Vaughn's owned the entire complex. Okay. And I'm like, why are they pushing me so hard? And I just kind of, I was dragging my feet cause I was just being super cautious. Mm -hmm. 
finally the lady's like, I need to meet you. And I'm like, all right. So we, we meet outside this it used to be called Zelly's. It was a coffee shop okay. in, the, in the center. And she goes, if you sign this lease today, we'll give you $400,000 in TI money. And I'm like, what? You know, tenant improvement. Oh, I know what it to, is, but that's a lot of money. It's like, it's unheard of. Yeah. They're multiple. They were, they were in the process of selling the building. Oh, they needed, they needed heads in there. And they needed it to show their multiple mm -hmm. to sell the building. I mean, like a big So building. you dragging your feet gave you the opportunity to get that basically free build out. Basically. Unreal. Yeah. And how long did they sign you up on something like that? Was it like a five or 10 year? So it was um, a 10 year. A 10 year with two 10 year options. Wow. Yeah. And That's fantastic. it was like, I just remember going home to my wife and going, you know what? We just totally lucked out because mm -hmm. I was actually getting ready to sign the lease anyways. And these people are like, we need you to do this now. And this is what we're going to do. I thought this can't be right. Such a cool story. I mean, speed is king for me. I always have this speed is king. You go fast. Yeah. And there are times where I've done certain things where I'm like, I wish I'd waited a little longer, maybe a little bit more calculated. I like to shoot first and then figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, hearing stories like that, it's like a huge, hey. We should probably chill out. You slow know? down a little bit. <laughs> slow down. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea on that story either. And that's the same location. You guys aren't going to move anytime soon. That area is affluent. It's a great yeah. place for a massage envy. A, a lot of people doubted opening that store there. Even 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 corporate massage envy really? uh, doubted it. You think they didn't understand the demographic well enough there? I don't think they understand why those people in that area that have a lot of money have a lot of money. I think. I think it's more old money, and the reason why they have money is because they're frugal. Sure. And we were bringing something that was magical to the area, which was convenient, mm -hmm. affordable massage, professional massage sure. to the area, right? And when you bring – everybody always – well, they have so much money. Why does affordable matter? I'm like, that's why they have money. That's, yeah, they watch it. Yeah. That, that's what they care about. I've noticed over the years with you – I know you do really well. You are still hyper vigilant of anything on a PL. Yeah. It can be 400 bucks on something, and you're like, hey, you'll make the call. Do you think that's also helped you scale properly, grow? Because I'm assuming you're hyper vigilant on any number that's through the business. Almost too much. I mean, you know, I could spend hours <laughs> and hours. I've noticed. <laughs> like, if you saw my office, it's just boxes and papers. I do everything by hand, by the way, I do my own books. Which is insane. That's insane. Like, I don't know. I need to know. Well, what you've had the tough is. lessons, so yeah, I get I think it. That's probably why. it's the tough lessons. You can see it based on the story. Now it makes sense that we've had the conversation. Perfect sense. Just hire someone to sit next to you, man. I know. <laughs> I know. My wife's like, when she hears tax times coming, she's like, tell the kids to come in, and, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as the the massage business, it seems like you've turned a lot of that profit into some of now the other things that you're doing. Yeah. What are you? into now outside of maybe some flips. I know you're doing a lot in the real estate game too. We are, we are. So yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in real estate, like, like most of us, um, just trying to figure out, you know, the best way to get stuff low and, and turn it into something mm -hmm. great, you know, right now with the way the market's turning, it's kind of scary, but we're, we don't position ourselves to, to go underwater. Like we of never, course, sure. yeah, the, you know, back in 08, people had, People had multiple zero loans. down yeah, stuff, exactly. you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. we, we're more like taking, we're parlaying, right? So we've constantly got equity and we're not, you know, if something backs up, backs down 10 or 20%, it's not going to. It's not going to kill you. No. When you say parlaying, are you like 1031-ing yeah. money down? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, hey, you're kicking the tax can down the road, which helps. It, it does. And I've learned a lot about uh, about 1031 exchanges. I, first, I you know, I'm like, oh, man, do I have to learn something new, right? But then once <laughs> I do, I'm like, wow. It's a huge tool. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, you could take like the building we sold, sold in Montrose, the mm -hmm. Paradise Tan building, mm -hmm. and convert that into like four private residences, you know? I know. And it's really just a piece of paper. Tell me the addresses, and then there the money goes. That's it. And you avoid the tax. Well, you kick the can down the road on the tax. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're, yeah, which you still, still have that base. Yeah, which is still know? important, right? I know you have a bunch of flips. If something happens in the market, are you just going to hold them for rentals? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a simple game for that. Because rentals is crazy. Rentals is crazy. Going down. Yeah, and they keep printing money. Mm -hmm. I don't right. see how they're going to make rents go down and keep printing money. The know? only thing that scares me is that the rent relief stuff, I guess they just squashed it. I mean, I, I get that why people need it, but I think it's gone on a little too long. Insurance companies, fun fact, are terrified of what's going to happen now when you have to start evicting people who haven't paid, right? Yeah. So there's going to be some real unintended consequence. Attorneys are sitting there just waiting oh, yeah. for everybody, right? So I think there's going to be some negative impact on my side, which 
should be something that people have to consider when you're thinking LA, California, what's my liability like when these people have to go and they haven't paid me. So yeah, I mean, way too regulated in my opinion. Right. But, um, so anyway, as you were saying, you had some commercial buildings, you have residential, you're doing flips, you're holding a lot of ADUs right now. I think we're building, we're building three ADUs as we speak right now. Fantastic. Um, just, you know, you're going and looking for properties that have, you know, space, Mm -hmm. you know, where it won't be like one on top of the other because you want to you want to stay cool to the community of course but at the same time um you want to be able to turn that 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 blank or that big backyard into another livable space because pe- people need housing right now and um i'm not gonna say it's affordable housing but it's it's, it's housing. cheaper right your adus aren't two thousand square foot houses no they're tw- 12 max That's right? what i'm saying so it's like they are less expensive by nature just by being smaller yeah you're buying in i would say grade a areas though so i mean you're not getting a downtown la stuff right you're all mm-hmm. locker center la cañada for the most part yeah Montrose. is that where you're gonna stay or are you trying to branch out in maybe the surrounding areas um might do santa clarita like kicking it around i never knew santa clarita until i sort of moved out to santa clarita um i'm in the same boat as you i know glendale la cañada way better than i do new hall and santa yeah. clarita so yeah <laughs> i get that i was nervous at first you know my wife's like why don't you buy stuff out here and i go i don't know out here yet as soon as i know out here really well then i will but you know you I, I could look at something for 30 seconds in La Cañada, La Crescenta, Montrose. You'll know. And I'll know if You'll it's know. if it works or not mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I stare at houses out here and I'm like, I don't know if that's good value or not. Yeah. I have no idea. But my house, I, I did the same thing. I buy junkers. So for me, I'm like, I always know I have upside. So I don't have to get the best deal ever. Yeah. But I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Little did I know I bought one of the most desirable areas in Santa Clarita. See? I was like, this is just a house that has a lot of upside on a cul-de-sac good enough for me you That's know right. so it, it's it's funny you can hedge a lot of bad decisions with old houses <laughs> you really can and, and that area uh when christmas time came and they and they did oh all the gosh. lights in the old town area i thought that's when I knew I'm like, this is this a cool is a area. area. This is an up and coming area yep. right here, the way they did this. All the neighbors saying hi. It's just, you know, I'm from LA. Yeah. I know when neighbors say hi, you're in a good neighborhood. That's you know? right. People are waving at you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was I was really happy with it. Um anything else that you have your hands into? Are you are you have assets under management or do you have anything else that you're trying to do to so earn money? My biggest worry right now is that we're we're sitting on um a decent amount of cash. Um and I don't know what assets to put it in. I know that with inflation going up, nine, let's say 9% right now, um, that means that you're it's losing 9% yeah. on your cash, right? Every mm-hmm. year. So it's not like for the past 10 years, if you were sitting on cash, it would just be itself, right? It Incremental was losses. Small, you can overcome it. Yeah. Right. But now it's you're actually losing value. How do you make 9% on something that's in the stock market right now or something like that, you know, that's the problem. That's the difficult part. So you can buy things, you can buy assets. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, it sounds crazy, but you could buy like, you know, you can like, look at what cars have done. You can buy cars that are going up in value. Makes no sense. No, I know. Yeah. But it's, it's, you have to look at like tricky sort of assets. I think even though they, everybody's saying the housing market's going to, going to turn and I, and I agree, I think it probably will go 10 or 20 get backwards, but I think long term, if you're not if you're collecting rents, like what's the harm? Just write it out, you know. So as far as you know, the that being involved in in assets, in risky assets actually, which you know, uh, freaks me out a little bit. I mean, every time I see you don't it. like buying crypto. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I bought a little bit of that. No, you didn't. I did. Oh man. No, it was it was way back. Got it. Got it. It was like 2016. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so it was. You probably took a decent ride, but anyway, I, yeah. I did I'm up and then back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, I actually bought some uh, some crypto and I lost the. I know you, people probably hear this all the time, but mine was like for real. I lost the blockchain number. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah, man. I bought fifty bucks worth, like in way back. It was, but in turns out it would totally have been millions, millions of dollars. I know. I've heard this story plenty of times. Oh, I, 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 I went to my dad. I'm like, cause I used to give my dad all of his, all my old computers. Sure. So I went down I'm like, Hey dad, do you have any of my old, those old computers? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, they're all in the garage. So I'm like Just under his workbench pulling yeah. out these cobweb CPUs and I'm like plugging them in and I'm looking for the, the wallet and the dot. So wallet. funny. And I spent a whole weekend. I couldn't find it. Oh, I think we man. donated it to one of those recycling places. Or Someone's something. rich. <laughs> yeah. Or it's in a landfill. Or it's in a landfill, <laughs> right? Whatever. I thought about that for about 
a week and then I'm like, what good is this going to do in one ear and out the other? Yeah. That's too funny. So in in your opinion, then, as you were saying, what do you look at for putting money into when you see inflation the way it is and you're trying to get your hands on assets that are kind of difficult to grab right now? Yeah, it's tricky right now. It's tricky right now. So, and, and going back to, uh, 1031s, right. You, so like we are, we are sitting on some money that we need to spend right now, but it's like, What's Where? worse? Yeah. Is it worse paying the taxes? Right? Or is it worse buying real estate that's gonna go down? I would probably if I had to guess, the real estate offers you tax benefits at least, right? So you can get depreciation, all the expenses. Get some income get from renters. Some income, yeah. you know, I think they're gonna be a lot of punch in the nose. It's just how bloody do you want your nose to be? That's right. I think right now. So I would always say buy the asset, take the punch now. People gotta live somewhere. Yeah. I mean <laughs> The government's going to piss your money away, in my opinion, anyway. So it's like, it's better for you to just buy something. Yeah. And just go from there. I agree with Um, that. So you don't, are you in the market at all right now? Stock market? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Because assets under management. How has that been? Have you been moving it into different assets or have you kind of just been letting it ride? Yeah. So, you know, like I have all the, I did all the 529s for the kids and, you know, all that stuff. SEP IRAs. Mm -hmm. You know, know, you're, if you have a good enough CPA, they're going to tell you like, like put this into your SEP IRA that that way you don't give it to the government. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not doing anything illegal, but you're like, why would I give it in front of you? We do it too. Why would I give it to him when Mm -hmm. I can give it to myself in this account? Your loved ones, man. You take care of them first. Totally. Of course. So we do all that stuff. So my, my biggest holding, I followed Kathy Wood, you know, and with with her call on Tesla and some different things that she did. I was like, that's pretty cool. So I started watching all the ARK invest Mm -hmm. funds, you know, the, the, the ARC genome and the ARC uh, autonomous and the, you know, a few of the different um, funds I thought she was forward thinking she on. She was killing it. Killing it. Yeah. Killing it, right? Mm-hmm. So I got into those right at the top. Damn it. And yeah. you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to hold them. I mean, it's painful to look at the numbers. Well, that's a non-emotional play, which I always think if you're in the stock market, you have to pull the emotion out of it because it is painful to look painful. at your your loss on stuff like yeah. that yeah yeah so how long you have a you have a play for how long you're gonna hold it or it's just hey if it goes it goes and L- luckily we don't need it you know if sure, for some reason we were to need it we would just have to bite the bullet mm-hmm. and whatever but um no yeah i'm not one of those ones where i'm like i need a loss right now i'm gonna sell all these stocks at a loss i just that still hurts <laughs> it still hurts yeah, yeah. it's pointless to get a tax write off for a big loss like that i completely agree with that yeah we have people buying trucks year after year yeah for the write-off yeah and i'm like dude go buy a property Sure. Get depreciation over there or something, you yeah, know, yeah. do something that helps you. You're still paying the money or taking the loss. Okay. That, unless it's over, like, you know, the whole thing where it's 6, like 6,000 pounds, 6,000 pounds. I know the like, truck rules. You know, yeah. the truck rules. Oh, yeah. yeah. We deal with like it all the time. And stuff oh, like that. All of it. They're changing all that stuff soon. But either way. I think that's a George Bush thing. It might be. I think it was. I think they changed it. Instead of a hundred percent write off, it's going to be 80% of oh, it wow. year one. So you can still get the other 20 the following year, but you can't take a hundred percent of it up front. And people so are doing that every year. And it's crazy. It is crazy. And it's kept the SUV market alive. It really has. <laughs> and the trucks. But anyway, yeah, it's a really good thing. As far as future plans for you, what's next? I don't know, man. I, you know, so there's, you know what private equity is? I mean, of like course. Private, like yeah. Consolidators. Of course. Yeah. So that's the, it's been huge for the last couple of years, two or three years. Mm-hmm. And they are, they've been buying up a lot of massage MVs and European Wax Center too. I mean, they're. They're looking at those. The multiples a, that PE give you are ridiculous. Ridiculous, good or bad? Good. Yeah. Right so now, it's been ridiculous, good. As long as there's competitors. So we the the problem that that's happening right now with Massage Envy is that they're only allowing certain private equities to compete for your stores. That's going to change soon, I hope, and I think. Well, you need more competition for better pricing. You do. Yeah. So you know, like with European Wax Center, they have they have private equities that are competing for. Um, They'll be like, hey, uh, this company is offering me four times, you know, net. And this one's, well, I'll give you five. And this one's like, I'll give you six, mm-hmm. right? So they're competing and they're giving you, and that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I mean, you're talking a lot of money. So you got to tell me. And, <laughs> and if there's only one allowed, then it doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. sense. So once yeah. they open that up, it'll change that. So in the insurance market, there's close to 90 private equity firms that are yeah. constantly battling. So right buying now, up all the small guys? Of course. Yeah. yeah. And they're bringing them into their umbrella. They're paying them four to five times revenue wow. 11 to 12 13 times EBITDA with a one and a half percent 
kicker on revenue <sighs> after three years if you hit your goals. You're making six times revenue after three years. It's insane. That's insane. Right? And how do you look at a deal like that and not go, you know, I'd like to turn that money into a beach somewhere, yeah. you know, and you Seriously. have to be thinking that way. It's a great way to almost have like an alternative investment strategy for your retirement. Right. And then you yeah. can plan on how do I make that money? Do I stay in the state when I get that? There's so many strategies built off the back of selling to private equity now. Yeah. You don't stay in the state. You do but, not. But even more importantly is you make sure you have a place in Florida before you, <laughs> before you make that That's move. That's Nevada and Florida, man. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So we do all that stuff. We're around it. Our goal for Greyhawk has been to purchase and to purchase, you got to pony up some money to compete yeah. against that, but it's the way to grow. Yeah. And I'm into technologies. I'm out of the stone ages, which is a lot of people are, are in an insurance. So really easy for me to turn that, I would say slow moving, you know, relic into a fast moving technology forward company. So mm -hmm. for me, there's a lot of upside. Same yeah. thing. I'm buying an old home. That's all yep. I'm doing. So a lot of that stuff is really important. So in a couple of years, you think you might put the portfolio together and consider it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're constantly asked. We're, we're, we're called constantly from people about it. And I don't know if we're ready right now because, I mean, you know, the kids are still I was going to say, young. you still got the kids in yeah. middle school, high school? Yeah, uh, one in middle school and one in high school. So you still got yeah. the years to... Yeah. to be home and dad and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I get that. And my wife runs the European wax center. So she's, she's enjoying that, you know, of course. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, I, I would hate to, I would hate to ride the revenue down like I did with tanning because when COVID hit, I thought what is going to happen, right? Let's talk about that. How did you survive through that? Cause that was basically LA is shut down everything. That was not a essential service. It was brutal. Uh, we were, we were in Maui at the time. We had just, we had just bought a, a new place in Maui and we had just gone on February 15th. Mm -hmm. So a month before we had, we had purchased the place where we honeymooned at. We, my wife was like, you know, someday I'd like to own sure. this, this place. And I said, well, really? And then we were able to do that. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so bought that February 15th, go over there with the kids. We're there March 15th and on the news, what's, what is going on? Right. Get stuck there for like no. six, over a month, like six weeks. I knew you said you were out there. I didn't know it was for six weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. Okay. It was crazy. Um, and, and so I did a lot of calls with like, cause I was on the board at the time and, and some different things. And we were trying to figure out like, what does this mean for the brand? What does this mean for our businesses? Mm -hmm. And, and most importantly, um, you know, I mean, at the time I had 300 employees and, you know, my wife and I are going, what are we going to do mm -hmm. with our, what are the employees going to do if they can't just stop getting paid? Right. Of course. I mean, they didn't, they didn't figure out the unemployment money yeah. yet. And then the, the PPP stuff started getting talked about. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we thought that's, that's cool. That's a lifeline. Hopefully that, that comes to fruition. And it did. Um, and it was a little, it was a little bit difficult cause it wasn't perfect. And they kind of just threw it out there because they didn't have a lot of time to sure. figure it out. Um, so it did keep, it did keep, uh, our, most of our staff afloat, sure. which was nice. Um, I feel guilty saying this, but I've never been more tranquil in my life than, okay, that's not true. So you told me this on the phone when we were going through it. Really? So I remember this conversation with you. Yeah, but go ahead. So on th like on Thanksgiving, when all the stores are closed, all the stores across the board or like Christmas day, I am like Zen. <laughs> Seriously. I, yeah. I'm, I've got this calm, almost like I, I can't explain it, but it's because what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, We're already down here. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like everything's closed. There's yeah. no employee issues. There's no customer issues. There's no, I mean, we're insured if they burn down, whatever. So I had like this serene moment when I was there thinking, okay, this is horrible that everything's closed, but I'm like getting in touch with myself. Mm -hmm. So, but, but then that wore off quickly because it lasted 10 months and 10 months is a long time Such to long have time. your stores closed. I know. You know, so we had talked about it, but I was really enjoying spending time with my kids, yeah. which because I was working so hard, I was trying to build what I thought was, you know, some form of ownership plan in my last agency. When I got home and it was just relax, don't have to worry about putting the kids to bed and going right back to work. Yeah, I loved it. Right. And I had a great time. Now I was eating whatever I wanted. I thought it was gonna be a little month or two vacation. Right. Kind of screwed myself up a little bit there. <laughs> but, <laughs> you didn't? know, I had 
a lot of peace in that time. And to be a little controversial, I hated the whole thing. I didn't think it should be that way. I didn't think people should be at home. I didn't think the government should tell you what you could or couldn't do to provide for your family. Right. Lots of risk there for everybody in that situation. Um, even, even the best people with the best intentions became okay staying home. Like almost didn't want to go back. Yeah. And I thought, uh-oh, things are getting past that center point. Even 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 people that love working don't want to work. Hey, now. people have trauma, right? And like that was a very real event for people to have trauma, and it changes behavior. Trauma innately changes the way you think about things. It changes your worldview. I knew it was not going to be great yeah. uh, from a standstill. But you know, working was a, also a part of way I got enjoyment for providing for my family. You know, it was just me. It was daddy going out and doing his thing, right? And I, I found a lot of joy in that. So it kind of gave me a little bit of an identity crisis. Three weeks in. You'll know this place between the 210 and the 2 before you're making the left down the 210 from Glendale. Okay. There's a pole. There's a light pole right there. It's late at night. I hadn't been out in three weeks. I imagined myself running into it. <gasps> it's my first depressive thought I had wow. ever had. My mind was playing tricks on me. Mm -hmm. I was not meant to be holed up like that. Mm -hmm. I was meant to work. I feel like I'm a workhorse. I like being social. So I knew then if I'm having that kind of thoughts and I had never had another one after that, I knew people were going to be struggling. I knew it wasn't going to be good for us all. So I fought it. I, I tried to get back to work as soon yeah. as I could. Insurance, thankfully, was necessary, but I didn't get paid for eight months. Right. People turned off their insurance. Wow. I followed with it. Right. So I had to ride the wave. And thankfully, a lot of money and savings. I had a lot of investments. I took my entire HELOC and bought stocks when the market crashed. It's the only thing that kept me up. Smart move. It's the only thing I did. Super risky. Super risky, and that takes a that it takes a lot of nerve. Yeah, big balls. It was to do balls, that. and I knew when I, I I didn't really tell my wife the, <laughs> you know, like the I would say the colossal mess it could have created. I knew it could have been bad, but when did you do that? What do you remember when it was? So like I bought April May. So it was sooner. Was it, it really was sooner? I mean, wow. I got in pretty quick, and That's what impressive. I knew because insurance companies were cutting refund checks to people, I was like, they're making money hand over fist. Well, because nobody was driving. Nobody was driving. Yeah. And you're at home, which means if there's a water leak, you're going to find it right away. You're not going to let the whole house, you know, float before yep. you figure something out. I just knew that the insurance companies were okay. So I went all in, put the money in. And that money, when I finally sold a month and a half later, two months later, maybe even at that point, it kept me. I mean, I doubled that money and nice. some, and it allowed me to not have to touch any of my investments, Smart. mess with anything. So I know there was always something that people got through with it. So yours, PPP, did you guys have any other strategies you were using for people to hold talent? Like what else were you guys employing? Yeah, so we uh, we would have like staff go in that, that needed, people that needed money, we'd be like, hey, go in and like call customers and just make sure everybody's doing okay. Sure. And, you know, we, we had anybody that called us and said, hey, like, I'm trying to get unemployment and they're telling me I can't because uh, my husband was in the military and this and that. And I'm like, so there was a handful of people that got caught in this. Wow. It's a weird vacuum of stuff. It huh? was. And, and there was probably, I mean, out of the 300 employees, probably 10%, like 30 of them weren't, weren't collecting unemployment when they should have been. Sure. And it was just, you could, if you wanted to call them the unemployed EDD, or mm -hmm. you would be on hold for eight hours, 10 hours. And, yeah, right. You were one of yeah. So it happened to a lot of people. I mean, I was even actually sitting on hold from some of my staff, you know, at my desk, like trying to yeah. trying to figure it out for them. Sure. And so those people, we said, well, let's figure out a way to get you some income. Like I'm, you know, aside from just giving it to you, because I think just giving people money doesn't. It's not good for their psyche. They people don't it want kills the handouts. resourceful part of the brain, right? Yeah. Like let's let's figure out a way to get you mm -hmm. some income. You know, even you know, sit by yourself in the store at the front desk that's that's legal right now even though there's a lockdown you're by yourself calling people mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that sure Just go for it right that's fantastic yeah so that's we did great certain things like that that's really cool yeah we've had a lot of businesses who we knew loved up on their employees and it really has paid dividends on their turnover yeah it's not nearly as bad as it was when they were showing some i would even say you know respect and appreciation for their people sure that's really great so outside of that outside of massage envy you got plans maybe in the future move on that yeah, are maybe. you going to keep buying real estate i actively i see that i mean i i love like i love building stuff uh, i've always liked building sure. stuff um and it seems like a natural progression like once the stores are gone once we once we figure out what we're going to do there and and probably end up selling those to private equity that mm -hmm. we'll end up you know building homes 
I mean, that's kind of what I want to do. I love, I love it. it. I'm in my element. It's a big I'm, Lego, you know? Yeah. I just bought a tractor, so I... You did not. <laughs> I did. Hey, if you ever want to borrow it, you're right up the street. I'm right. I'm driving down. <laughs> do it. What are you doing? Oh. You moving mountainside? Yeah. So oh, I'm building, man. I, I'm building like a three-part, like a, like a little golf hole, because we bought like five acres. I saw it. Yeah. So on the other side of the, of the mountain, we own that and we're going to, I'm going to dig that out and make a big green. So, and cool. so you can hit over the, hit over the ridge. And so cool. Yeah, you know, I love it, yeah, man. It That's such a great thing. Those are really cool memories for the kids and the family and friends too, for that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? Driving uh, them inside the tractor. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. I'll tell you a quick story though. Do um, it. I did. So this little Bobcat that I bought, I thought, man, this thing is bulletproof. This is awesome. I'm out there cruising around. I hit a tree, an old tree that needed to be torn down and the tree falls and the branch stops like right in front of me. And I thought, I didn't think about that. <laughs> that thing could have gone right through me. You should see the construction accidents we really? have. Really? Oh, dude. On tractors like that? Uh, everywhere. Tractors, forklifts. It's bad. You just don't think about it because you're not th- you're not training for it. You're like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Common thing that happens, man. Yeah, but you're like me. You think that you pretty much know. I'm not a dumb guy, so right. I, I can, I'm so like, yeah, I'm pretty calculated. You know, you know a little bit about everything, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And and a lot about some things, mm-hmm. right? So I'm I feel like, why didn't I think about that? I mean, that was like potentially it. So, anyways, dude, I've had those moments. I mean, I really disappointed in how dumb I can get sometimes, <laughs> right? Like that kind of thing. Right. I hear you. We talked about the labor. We talked about people kind of being your. I want to say biggest struggle, but maintaining and managing that many people is tough. It is. Right. Is the insurance part for the workers comp, the toughest and the most challenging part of the massage envy, as far as I know operating the people and managing them is probably harder, but outside of that insurance. Yeah. So, okay. For sure. The workers comp thing, you know, has always been a big deal. Um, I, I have a unique sort of hands-on way of dealing with it that might be probably more advantageous. The difference between myself and other massage envy owners or other business owners mm-hmm. that I know is that because I, I see how bad that could get, I do everything I can to keep it from going down that road. And I mean, I do weird things. I mean, you know, like I say, hey, you know, hey, my, my thumb's hurting. Okay, take two weeks off and get a massage every other day mm-hmm. on the house, right? Mm-hmm. Until, and let me know how you feel in two weeks. And like 99% of the time they're like, oh yeah, I feel so great. I'm back to, I'm ready to be back on the schedule. I appreciate that. Yeah. So that's a simple way to handle a really, really bad problem. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is, you know, someone, you know, goes to the emergency room and they're like, my thumb hurts. They're like, where did it happen? And you're Mm -hmm. like, what happened at work? Okay. Before you know it. Right. So now you're going, same thing that happened with the, those two massage jambies I bought, number two and three. Yeah. Um, so her philosophy was, is, Constantly oh, your thumb hurts? Stuff. Yeah, go, go, go. Call the mm-hmm. workers comp. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, if you're really hurt, totally call. You should get it, right? of course. But if there's something I can do that can help you not have to go through that process and you can get better and move on and we can all be productive, then that's there's other options. And we talked about it on your last renewal for it. You were like, Hey, is there a service that does what I do? And I'm like, dude, the only person I know that does this is Joey Paul. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you are so active and in, in that. And I think the thing that people don't think about is that they think the health insurance process is perfect. And mm-hmm. it is not. not, it is riddled with stuff that you just don't think about. There's doctors that will say, Hey, you need a surgery and you didn't need a surgery. Totally. And then, Ooh, Hey, I might've clipped a nerve there. And now you have an issue with that. Like right. we've seen people's life fundamentally changed from going down that like health insurance you're supposed to go through the comp system and then you get screwed so it's not a perfect system either way but what i have seen is that you take way better care of your people than the guy at the corner of urgent care who's mm-hmm. like yeah dude i'll just throw some meds at you and go home like yeah. you're getting the massages you're making sure that they're taken care of that is a phenomenal thing that i think sets you apart not just in the massage world but as far as entrepreneurship business owners because yeah if more people treated their employees like that it would look a lot different there wouldn't be as many attorneys sitting there urging care totally. asking you, hey, how did you get hurt? And, and it feels better, too, as of a course. from an owner's standpoint, you know, to be able to, you know, say, hey, take a couple weeks off. Right. It's people look at it like, oh, my God, that's going to, you know, I did in the beginning. I'm guilty of that. I'm like, OK, so two weeks. Balance times, sheet. You're looking at balance sheet. You know, yeah. 80 hours. How much is this going to cost me? 80 hours times $20 an hour. $1,600. I go through the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, but 
Wait till your workers comp. Wait till your workers comp goes up sixteen thousand dollars, and you could have just spent sixteen hundred just to make this, you know, fix this. So people, I don't think they look at it like I a do. long-term investment play. I don't think people see it as a long-term investment play, right. which is what you're doing, which is what's so different about the way you view the comp system. Because a lot of people say, "Give me the comp, I'll pay for it. Everything else should be on you." Right. Which, uh, I mean, it can be. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get. I get it. But it's a problem. It is. Uh, anything else? Like, what is the other? Some of the other risks you have to deal with, or things you have to manage well, that are difficult about massage. Energy? I mean, there's other. Well, <laughs> there's other insurances we have. You know, there's oh, the course. EPLI, yeah. which employer liability insurance. Big which issue in California. Big issue in California, and something strange has happened. And I don't know. I might be the only one in this camp, but <laughs> but <laughs> since since the pandemic and people came back. I feel like everybody wants to sue or come after you. And I don't think, I think EPLI insurance is super important right now. I think people were used to getting something for not doing much. And now they're like, Hey, how can I keep getting something for not doing anything? I think that mentality is very true sort of around me in certain aspects. It's not just you, man. Really? You're hearing that employment market in general, deductible retentions are up prices going up yeah. because it's getting utilized, right? Insurance is an immediate marker of what's being used. Yeah. So it's literally everyone is struggling with these employment lawsuits. You made me do this or you didn't do enough for me in this re- uh, regard or whatever it is. Hybrid working is creating a lot of, well, you're making me come back. That's discrimination, right? Yeah. Like there is so many things that EPLI now, it's becoming like a a worker's comp. Like you almost have to have it. You're going to see one of those lawsuits in your mail. And they're super expensive, so expensive. to defend. So you know, expensive. The, yeah. A good attorney will cost you a boatload of money. And you don't want to get a crappy attorney and no, then lose, don't. right? So you want someone that's in your camp doing a good job. They cost a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that's a, that's a tough one for everybody. So it's no surprise that you're dealing with that. Yeah, we are. And, you know, we have a, you know, with that many employees, obviously, it's, it's not a small thing to deal with. Um, and there's always issues coming our way and mm-hmm. we try to put out those fires as we can, but there's always ones that'll take, try to take at the distance. And that's just, uh, <laughs> that's just the nature of the beast, it is. especially in California, it man. Is. Have you thought about going out of state? Yeah. You know, when I watched in and out burger leave and then I watched Nestle leave and all these local sort of people all going to like, you know, Texas, Florida, Texas. Yeah. The world, yeah. And I thought, what is going on here? <laughs> um, there's something to it, right? There is. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen friends, you know, that own, you know, 20 massage MBs and moved Florida from Atlanta. Sure. You know what I mean? From Georgia. Yeah. Um, so I, I do see people making that move. Um, it would be possible to move the company, but I personally, with the kids, want them to finish school here. I don't want to uproot them. It's just not worth it to me. We just did that where we're at the private school we're at now. And it's like, I don't know how I'm going to leave now. It's yeah. such a good thing for them. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I'm stuck here now. I yeah. got to figure it out. As much as I don't love the way California runs a lot of stuff, family's important. It the is. Kids are important. It, it trumps the money in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. As far as people getting into massage envies, I don't know how many they're starting or they're allowing people to like come into them. It's good business still for someone who wants to start fresh. You know, I don't think there's too many people starting them right now in this environment. Um, Ultimately, the goal was to have 2,000 units in the United States. Mm -hmm. I think we got to 1,150 units. Um, And since since the pandemic, we've backed off to like 1,100. So I think they lost like 50. But that was unheard of for one to close. Sure. For years. Sure. Um, but then since everything happened, there were people that either lost their leases or something happened mm-hmm. and they just, they exited the brand. But most people are either buying them or, or they're, they're not really starting. No they're not ground building floor. ground. Yeah. And they're not building ground. I mean, there, there's a couple I hear, like I heard a guy last week was building one in Florida. Um, th- so here and there, but okay. not like before it was like five a week would be going up. You're like every week, you're like, Oh Wow. Five more, it's five impressive. more. It was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. The European wax centers, they're still building those for sure. Okay. Um, so you think that's more of an opportunity for someone if they wanted to get into a franchise space? So I think European wax centers is a fantastic model. I think Massage Emmy is a fantastic model as well. But um, just remember with like my locking out store has 48 employees. That's a lot of people. My locking out, yeah. my locking out a, a European wax center has 12. Right. So when I went from tanning to massage envies and European wax centers, the one thing I wasn't thinking of is how hard it is to have that many of employees because you know, your every move you, every decision I make, especially during pandemic is 
this isn't just affecting 300 people. This is affecting 300 people and their families, families right? Yeah. So it's, it's stressful. You know, it's, it's stressful to be sitting in your office alone looking at numbers going, wow, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I would say if, if you wanted to do something, I would probably go more towards European wax than I would with Massage Envy right now. But you never know. It's those ebbs and flows, you know. It's always like that. As far as all those stores, what's the best performing one? Like, what's your margin? And what are they making roughly a year? Like, profit? Like, what are they making Yeah, because this is the fascinating part about business, right? Because not a lot of people, even myself, don't think about that as, like, a business to jump into. But what what does it look like if someone was trying to jump in? So, like, I group, I I, I can group the massage MBs in one. I mean, I can tell you about, like, the e-wax, the, the, the tanning, how it all, mm-hmm. they all differ. Um, I think, so with, with the massage envy to build, right, they're anywhere from 500 to a million dollars to build one. It's, it's not cheap. It's not a cheap, yeah, you investment. Know? It's a bit, it's a pretty big investment. Um, they used to operate on, you know, 20 to 22% profit margin, right? Um, right now, we're doing about 15,000 massage, 15, massages a month in okay. my five stores, so okay. about 3,000 per store per per month, which is significant. Yeah. Um, and, and when I say massage, I, I should say services because we do facials as well. Okay. So about 15% of our business is facials. I had no you idea. Know, maybe, That's cool. Maybe even 20% Got at this it. point. Um, but like like the La Cunada store will do like $2 million, right? That's great. Um, a year since you know, since 20, I mean, after it was, after like the third year, it, it had got up to that. So fast, right? That's it really fast. Quick. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a re- reoccurring revenue and it's actually similar to like a gym membership. Well, it's, so it is and it isn't with a gym membership. If you don't use your gym membership, then you just lose it. Like you move on to the next month and sure. hopefully you, lo- you use it that month with us. You get like a service put into an account. So if you don't come in for three months, you have three services, three massages oh, that are okay. sitting on the computer for you to use. You can give them to a friend. You can use them all three in one month. Fascinating. So you don't really lose it. Well, I guess self-serving because you don't do crap like that for nothing, right? If you're giving it to friends, it could possibly be a new client then. So it's almost right. like a marketing budget. That's what it is. Yeah. That's because you can't give it to a new friend without getting their information and we have to take all your all And then you're in a, a, a uh, marketing letter or you hook them in like, this is great. Now I have a new client. Okay. That's fascinating. I didn't know yeah, that either. They're in the mousetrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's part of the game. I remember before I was involved in massage and we were in tanning and I would go get a massage at a place down in, um, it was called Fos I Am. It was down in like Thai town. Okay. And we would go down there and get massage every once in a while. And I'm like, this place has got like 20 rooms and it's packed. Like I'm the type of person where I can't not think about entrepreneur stuff. So I remember <laughs> I would be laying the face down, getting massage going, okay, if there's 20 rooms and they're seeing eight people a day, that's, you know, at the price I just paid, right. Yeah. The price I times $70. And I'm like, wow. Right. So even like things where you're supposed to be relaxing and brains know, racing on you. <laughs> yeah. It just never ends. Right. Yeah. So I remember thinking to myself, I have to figure out a way to do this, but on a bigger scale, not bigger in, in one location, but like multiple. Of course. And so once we did the, the first one in La, in La Cunata and it was a, a success, I said to myself with like the tanning business, I said, if I ever find something that I know for a fact works mm-hmm. and it works well. Double down. Go. Yeah. Go, go, go. So that's, I drug my feet with the tanning. It took me like 10 years to do, you know, my second one. And then I, and then I started growing fast. Sure. But I always said to myself, if I found something that was amazing, like do it. And sort of that's what we did. And they're not all operating at 20%, but... No, I know it all differs based on market and all that stuff. So I totally understand. But average, if you're operating on average 20%, that's good numbers, man. Even 15% is good right now. That's like an insurance. If you're doing 15%, we're high overhead, right? I mean, I'm not paying people 20 bucks. I'm paying a lot because it's a specialized service. So if you're making 15, you're killing it, which is great. Now, as far as like my last question, because I think this is the fascinating part about entrepreneurship that I'm still, I would say, learning. I'm having to readjust my mind to leverage is a huge part of what you do. Right. Lots of people doing the work for you. I came from the world of like you just work hard and you yeah, just yeah. do it yourself, which honestly is just wrong. It, it just, and I'm having to rewire my brain for it. What's the best part, in your opinion, of being an entrepreneur? Like what have you seen as the major benefit? What makes all the he- headaches, the stress? What makes it worth it what for makes you? It worth it. That's yeah. a good question. That's actually a really good question. I ask myself that a lot. I never minded working for somebody, but I always wanted to like make money when I was sleeping. I always thought like the goal is to have 
money being made yeah. wherever I could. And there's a lot of nights, you know, when an alarm goes off at two in the morning because they just threw a brick through the front door and mm -hmm. stole the computers, you know, that happens. Or, you know, uh, uh, an employee was, was making spa water and sliced the tip of her finger off. And I'm like, wait, what happened? So, yeah, there's constant things that yeah. you have to weigh it out, right? What makes it worth it? I think to me that I can, I can get up, I can make my schedule, I can drop my kids off. I've never missed dropping my kids off to school in the morning since they were in preschool. So cool. And to be able to leave there and go get my coffee and sit at my desk and be like, what, what, what do I need to deal with today? And maybe go to the gym and you know have a, have a lunch with my wife and maybe go um, meet with some employees. I'm making my schedule, right? And I'm being responsible because if you're not responsible, it won't work. Of course. So I'm, I'm making sure that I have a, a calendar of things that have to get done. But for me, that's the, I love that lifestyle. I love that. And uh, there's a lot of people that don't. And I know plenty of people that are like, I, Wouldn't you know trade what? The headache, yeah. At five o'clock, if I can't go home and turn my, and nobody's allowed to call me, that's all I care about. I wish someone would have told me about the nonstop brain. Yeah. I, I will be in bed exhausted mm -hmm. and I cannot turn the off switch. But like the time I get to spend with my son right now or when I take my daughters to school, you know, that's time awesome, I don't right? want to trade anymore. You know, that's a non-negotiable for me. And now that I'm in the space, when I talk to people who are wealthy, who are entrepreneurs, they're like, why are you working 60 hours a week? You should be working away from that. You should be getting people to do that kind of stuff for yeah. you fruits of your labor type deal. I still work a lot of times from 8.30 p.m. to 10.30 to catch up. Yeah, I'm always working, it feels like. I was in Mexico and we had a cybersecurity threat on a boat. Had a couple margaritas going and I was like, I'm working now. Right. And it, it didn't bother me that much, you know, because it's like, this is my baby. I'm taking care of it and I'll turn it off and I'll enjoy the rest of my vacation when five o'clock rolls through or whatever it sure. was, you know, so... Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, hey, man. Pleasure. That was a great episode. There is a lot of wealth and knowledge here, and I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next one.